Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In April 2020, TELUS Health Canada, which is part of a global company that provides physical and mental health services to companies, governments, and the like, started publishing an index that tracked feelings of isolation, anxiety, general psychological well-being among Canadians. The results came from surveys of thousands of individuals across the country and showed that stress levels were higher, more people were at risk of mental health incidents, that anxiety levels were also higher. I'm Gabe Friedman, and this week on Down to Business, I spoke to Paula Allen, Senior Vice President of Research and Client Insights at TELUS Health, about the survey. Allen is trained in counseling and psychometric evaluation, and she talked about why feelings of isolation may be more prevalent among younger workers and some surprising findings, including that working from home versus working from the office hasn't yet produced noticeable differences in mental health scores. As always, the interview is edited for clarity and brevity. Paula, thanks so much for coming on Down to Business to talk with me today. It's my pleasure. Mental health is always difficult to talk about in general terms. What affects one person may not bother someone else. But at TELUS Health, you've tried to quantify what's happening in mental health with workers right now in Canada. And I wanted to speak about what's happening in general terms to workers and managers from a mental health perspective and why. Like what's some of the big sort of picture trends that you're focused on are? Yeah, this is a very, very, very interesting time in terms of the mental health of the population and the workplace population in particular. So where we are right now, even though we're out of the the throes of, you know, ups and downs and lockdowns, et cetera, the impact of that disruption has been significant and has really reset our mental health. We do not, as human beings, like change. And boy, did we ever have a lot of change. You like change that you can control, not change that is not positive in your life and that you don't control. You don't like uncertainty, which kind of goes to the change. We need contact with other people. We need to not feel a sense of isolation. And that was exacerbated over the last while. We need to feel stable. And when you have an unknown risk in your life, it's hard to feel stable. So when you really kind of break down what our collective experience has been over the past while, now it's impacted different people differently. Um, And that's sort of important to know because you might say, well, you know, I am who I always have been, et cetera, et cetera. But if you look at things from a population point of view, we actually have the measures to show that there has been a shift. And the two things that I would call out in that shift is, We were looking before at the percentage of the working population that's considered high risk. And when we consider high risk, like there's something that's interfering with your life in a a way that's meaningful. You know, you have symptoms that are either indicative or trending towards having a mental health diagnosis. So that was 14% of the population in 2019 and then went 34% as after that is April 2020. And now, right now, as we speak, is 33%. So it's 
So that shift has not shifted back. It's not on the rise again, but it has not gone down. The increase was monumental, but it has stayed that way. And many people have described what's happened over the last three years as a societal trauma for the reasons I mentioned, the change, the uncertainty, you know, all of it happening all at the same time and all of it happening for a long period of time. When you have something that is traumatic, you can remove the stimulus, but the impact is still there, right? So the stimulus is no longer the same as it was, but the impact continues. So we have seen that shift in terms of increased uh, risk in the working population, the healthiest subset of the, the general population, move to, to that one in three, which is much more than it was before. Right. And so I don't think we've mentioned it, but we're clearly talking about some sort of hangover from the pandemic in terms of mental health risks. And beginning in April 2020, so really just weeks after the pandemic starts in Canada, TELUS Health began to index mental health scores along a variety of different categories like depression, anxiety. Can you tell me about the genesis of this project and how you collect your information and calculate your scores on these yeah, so we started with a large number of, of questions that looked at all areas of health. And then we boiled it down to mental health in particular and spent three years sort of collecting benchmark information, validating the, the tool, making sure that it was robust and measuring what we wanted it to measure and, and very reliable. And the reason we did that is because when you think about mental health, your quality of your life, your relationships, your engagement and productivity at work, your participation in, in the economy, even your physical health is impacted by your mental health. Like it is, it is super important. And it's super important for business because you're not going to have a healthy business if people aren't, you know, at or near the top of their own scale. But there really wasn't an easy measure. There wasn't anything that really ticked the box that would help us understand things well enough to be able to improve it. So we had information from people who have services. We have information that was two years old. We have information that wasn't specific to the workplace. So there was a need to fill. And that's the reason why we invested in making sure that we had an index. So that was that three-year period of development. And then we started launching and publishing it free of charge to anybody who is looking for it, uh, this information in April of 2020. Right. And so when I was looking through the latest news from May, psychological health was not as big of a problem as anxiety and isolation. And you can clearly connect that to people working from home, being in the office less. But I wanted to ask you as a person who looks at this stuff for a living. Yeah, it's a great question. So anxiety and isolation have been the lowest scores for the past 13 months. Just to take a minute to pause on those things. These are things that have been increasing issue in our society before the pandemic. So we have more people feeling overwhelmed. And that sort of relates to that feeling of anxiety. Like if you're feeling overwhelmed, it's hard to feel in control. You're more likely to feel anxious. And that feeling of being overwhelmed comes from a number of different things. Like we're stimulated in a number of different ways. The fact of the matter is our anxiety has been increasing. The isolation, there's one thing that people leave with from this podcast is to recognize how impactful and dangerous isolation is. 
when we've been trending in the society towards really not needing other people in a practical sense, not having the quality of relationships that we once did, we measured actually a decline in relationships, particularly in workers under 40 and and their level of friendships. When you have that in your life, that's a major, major stressor. And on the other hand, when you have a sense of social support, you are able to weather stresses much more effectively. This is measurable. Like when people are going through stress and they feel a sense of community, they feel a sense of belonging, a sense of social support, the physiological stress responses are less. When you have a sense of isolation, where you're by yourself, you know, you're by yourself and you're, you're able to work through, but you really don't have that tribe, that community, that larger support, even without triggers, your sense of stress is higher. So this has been happening before the pandemic and it exacerbated. So the fact that they're the two worst scores right now is, is really, you know, very concerning. And you mentioned psychological health and psychological health in our measure is whether you feel that you're in a bad place or not. And interestingly enough, even with all the symptoms that we're measuring, people are not necessarily feeling that they are as bad as our measures would say they are. So that's, that's, that is very interesting. And you can take it in a couple of ways. Uh, I'm not upset about it because, you know, you have a bit of a sense of, of, of optimism. Um, but I am a little bit concerned that we've kind of normalized feeling anxious. <laughs> we've normalized feeling, you know, not so great. And normalizing things that that really shouldn't be isn't great. I wonder on some level if these vary by different categories, like male, female, young, older. In terms of isolation, if you're younger and you live in a big city, chances are you're renting an apartment. You may be more likely to be single, not have children, this kind of thing. And so you may be actually much more prone to isolation than someone who's living with a group of people in a bigger space because housing was more affordable looking back. And so I wondered if that showed up in your scores. Yeah, those of our workers who are under 40 are uh, one and a half times more likely to be isolated or feel isolated than those older. And again, this is this is something that has been sort of evolving in our society over a while. So for all the reasons why you said, but also put that on a backdrop of a point in your life where you need other people more than you ever had. Like when you're transitioning from, say, post-secondary education into the workplace, you're finding yourself. You know, you're, you're really kind of establishing yourself in this change of life. You know, you want to make sure that you're feeling okay, that you're part of something, that, you're, that your identity is validated. You know, the, the need for social support at different points in life is greater. But we went through a period where that wasn't available for a particular cohort. But even prior to that, what we've been measuring is that the quality of friendships has been declining in that younger cohort. So you might have a fair number of friends, but the quality of them, the likelihood that you can feel that there is somebody that you can go to and definitely somebody that you can go to if you're in trouble and need emotional support, the proportion of people who feel that in the younger cohorts is declining. So that younger age group is a little bit more vulnerable to this particular factor, but we found that the younger cohort is actually showing lower mental health scores on a number of different measures. Now we're going to pause a minute for a short break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Going back to the high-risk group, mm-hmm. what were some of the trend lines that you tracked that were leading for people to fall into that category? Well, if, if you kind of look at, um, I guess I call it a bell curve in terms of population health, What ended up happening when we have this sort of major asteroid of disruption in our lives is that everything moved to the left. So people who are at lower risk, you know, or a lot of them moved into the moderate risk category. But the main shift was sort of that moderate risk to to, to high risk. And again, when you're feeling vulnerable in any sort of way and you have this major life disruption that happens that disrupts your social support, disrupts your clinical support in some cases, uh, disrupts your routines, which we do depend on as human beings, that kind of predictability of routines. When all of those things happen, then the likelihood that whatever you are experiencing goes into a more difficult and more complex presentation, that is very likely. And that is what we saw that happened. And again, it hasn't yet shifted back. Uh, One thing as well, The other major thing that we have seen is that over 40%, almost 50% of the population is feeling more sensitive to stress. So you might not be in that high risk category, but you have that higher sensitivity to stress. And just to explain that, we are, we are sort of built to respond as people. You know, you, something happens, there's a crisis, you get the adrenaline, you move, you solve it, you move on, right? We're meant to have that fight or flight when something comes in front of us and then the adrenaline dissipates. If you have a situation where the trigger doesn't dissipate, it just continues, continues month after month, year after year, then you kind of engage that part of your brain a little bit too much. It becomes a part, it becomes your norm. It becomes actually a little bit larger. And the part of your brain that's responsible for rational thinking and empathy and emotional control, well, that's fighting for energy. So we've been through all of this period of strain and it was just ongoing. Like we were living and getting up and brushing our teeth or whatever, but it was still there. And that fight or flight or risk, or can I go out? You know, is there a lot? All of that was impacting us. So we've seen that shift. So we're more sensitive to stress. Yeah. But much of the pandemic, for many people, the sort of health risks have largely dissipated. Many of the restrictions around masks have fallen away if they existed. Schools have reopened and have been open for a while. It seems like we've sort of found a stabilization in terms of work conditions. Most companies have devised a plan, whether it's a hybrid environment or work from home or in the office. So What do you expect to see happen eventually with knowing about trauma? Like, are these scores going to rebound? Is our adaptation going to show up differently? What do you expect to happen to mental health in the immediate future? Well, one of the things that is great about human beings is, you know, we do have resilience. But, and there is an important but here, when you've gone through periods of trauma, you can definitely recover. You these scores can and they should improve. 
but they're not going to improve without intention. So part of the reason why telehealth is focused on this is that we want to make sure that we build awareness that we do have to focus more on our mental health now. We should always be focusing on our mental health, but the the urgency of it is more important now. Like even that point that I just made around that sensitivity to stress, how it shows itself is the people being a little bit more on edge, a little bit more quick to anger, a little bit more cynical. And think about like how that shows itself. Like we've seen it and you know, increases in violent incidents in society. We've seen anybody who works in a coffee shop or a hospital or any kind of public service will tell you that the population is a little bit different. But we can manage that. Like we can take a beat or we can exacerbate it. And if it ends up being exacerbated, then we are in a very difficult position. We lose relationships. We are more isolated. Things can get worse, but they also can get better. And the most wonderful thing that happened over the pandemic is that intuitively people started to realize that. We had business leaders pay more attention to the mental health of their population and increase communication and services. We had individuals really change the way they are thinking about their lives. People are no longer thinking about work and life as separate. They're sort of understanding the reality. Your work is a part of your life. Your work experience shapes you just like your personal experience does. So the standard of quality for your work experience and your expectations of the partnership with your employer have really raised. And I actually think that's a good thing because I think when we stand up to those expectations, everyone benefits. Have... Companies like Telus Health and others that provide mental health support to employees, has there been a rise in spending on those services from companies? Sometimes it's been an increase in spending. You know, if people had gaps in their services, they were certainly more looking to to fill them. Um, being a Paying attention to the fact that there are more people who are high risk and there is a need for complexity. People are very aware of the fact that it's a good investment to make sure that there are services, but not everything is an investment. See, the services have to be there. The support has to be there. It has to be high quality. It has to serve the full population. But also your culture makes a difference. You know, do you have a culture where people feel intimidated? Do you have a culture where people feel unsafe? Do you have a culture where people don't feel included? And do you even have a culture where people don't feel inspired? So I think organizations have started to realize both sides of the coin and invest in both areas, service as well as culture. Wait, so just to follow up on the question, have spending increased noticeably since the pandemic began by companies? For many companies, yes. I can't say for every but definitely there has been an an increase in the investment from a sizable number of companies. And those companies that actually did increase their investment were more focused on mental health. In our index, it did pay off. They had employees who were seven points higher on our scale, which is significant in a 100-point scale, seven points higher when their employers did respond by improving the mental health support that was available to them. So it was a good investment, and certainly it was, in my view, kind of long overdue. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the headline findings and trends that you noticed shifting over the past few years that were surprising or interesting to you. 
it, it's not, I, I wouldn't even describe it as a shift. One thing is emergency savings. We know that that has had a major impact in whether people are resilient in terms of their mental health. This was irrespective of income. So even people who had high income, but they didn't have that cushion of emergency savings, they tended to have higher anxiety and more so than people who had more modest incomes, but they did have that cushion. They did have that safety net. The design of your job makes a difference as well. And those who had employment where they were collaborating with others all the time, they had better mental health scores than those who worked in a more isolated manner. And when you think about it, when you're collaborating, you know, you have like a shared purpose, you have that sense of community, you have that bigger, better opportunity for social support. You're less likely to be isolated in terms of your work experience. So it makes sense. And it is something I think that employers should pay attention to when they're looking at designing roles, because we know that, you know, just doing your job isn't enough. You know, think about it. Your work is a part of your life. So your work experience is important for your health. Yeah, I noticed that collaboration finding. One of the things that struck me about it was there was no noticeable distinction flagged in mental health between workers who were going into the office and workers who were not. Yes. And I wanted to ask you if that was intentional or what the difference was, if there is one. We haven't actually found any difference at this point in time. So it's something that we're going to be tracking. The one thing that we have found differences in is that laborers have lower mental health scores than others. But I think that might catch up because we also are seeing that those who are in heavy labor jobs, their employers are actually trying to catch up in terms of their support even more than others. So traditionally, they may not have focused on broader mental health and prevention. It might have been more very specific in terms of substance or crisis response. And employers are moving forward. So we're looking forward to see the mental health scores of that group move forward. In terms of the hybrid work, work from home, you know, 70% of the population cannot work from home. And it's still early days to see how this is going to play out. But I can tell you two things. One is that we know that flexibility is positively correlated with well-being. We know that flexibility gives people that sense of control that's very important. And flexibility can mean a number of different things. It can mean the location of your work. It could mean the hours that you work. It could mean how you accomplish that work. So employers that are focusing on flexible workplaces in a way that makes sense for their people, they will benefit. The other thing that we do know is that employers really do need to focus on making sure that there is that sense of belonging and connection, regardless of where people work. One of the things that scares me the most is an employer who thinks that, well, because I let my people work from home, because I have hybrid, because I followed this script that I'm hearing about on the news, then everything's okay, right? that I don't have to you know, make sure that my managers are equipped to make a psychologically healthy workplace and to intervene. I don't have to worry about services because I've given people what they want. That's not the way it is. Whether you're working from home or whether you're working in a workplace, you still have to have a positive experience. You still need to have that, that platform of support because at some point in time, everybody needs some level of support. So I really hope that we're not following a red herring and saying, because I'm a flexible employer, that's the only thing I need to do, because it's great. It's just not enough. Right. Well, 
Paula, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show to talk to me. It was a fascinating conversation. It is my pleasure. And I, I really appreciate these conversations because I think, you know, you know, mental health is a team sport, right? That was Paula Allen, Senior Vice President of Research and Client Insights at TELUS Health. Thank you for listening to Down to Business and for supporting Down to Business. Bryce Hall composed and performed the original music, designed the Down to Business logo, and executive produced this episode. Victoria Wells, Pamela Heaven, and Noella Ovid provided web support and editing. I'm Gabe Friedman, and we're experimenting with when we release future episodes of Down to Business and with the formatting. So you may notice that some episodes run longer, some weeks we release multiple episodes, some weeks we don't release any. If you want more business news, you can also check financialpost.com, but we'll definitely be back with more episodes of Down to Business.